Our first message this afternoon is for Mr. Reg Noland. His message is entitled, Creeping Corruption, or How to Boil a Frog. Reg. I built a PowerPoint for it. No, I'm not going to teach you what goes into a Cajun boiling pot. Uh, David did that last uh, week or so. Okay. So what we're going to do instead is talk about, say, some of the end time whale. Oh, okay. Thank you. Come on. There it is. Now we've got it. This is creeping corruption. Creeping corruption, or a warning against the end time contamination, how to boil a frog. How to boil a frog. Okay, so let's find out. The, the frog boiling analogy works like this. The frog is a cold-blooded animal, which means that it gets its body heat from external sources. So if we attempt to boil a frog by placing it directly in an already boiling pot of water, it will sense the difference in the temperature and jump out. Like that. See? There's the frog jumping out of the boiling pot of water. Okay? So he doesn't like the hot water. But here's the interesting thing. If we place the frog in a pot of room temperature water with pads on the bottom of the feet so it doesn't burn its little toes, uh, then it will just sit there patiently and calmly. And as the water rises up, up, and up, then the frog's body temperature will rise gradually with the temperature of water so that he will become fully cooked without even detecting the change in the temperature and jump out. He said, ah, oh, this is the life. Uh, what a spot, uh, this is a good soak. He doesn't even recognize that his friend here has already got X's in his eyes. He's dead. So, like the proverbial frog swimming in the pot of water on the stove, who never notice that the temperature is gradually rising toward boiling, we often do not notice the gradual changes in time that creep in to corrupt what was once pure. Okay? Uh, this is Jude. Uh, Jude has a lot to say about this. But, uh, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our uh, common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered for all uh, to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. This is my inspiration. Can you see? We've got corruption of the original, and we've got the men creeping in. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our uh, Lord, uh, our God, into lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who, would not believe, who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under the darkness for judgment to the of the great day. And it's Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay, to understand how such corruption uh, can occur, we need a model of how change occurs. We need, if you will, a paradigm of change. This is my paradigm of change. We start out with the original concept, pure, untainted, proven over time by law, logic, scripture, research, 
revelation. This is the standard. And then things start happening. We see that there are exceptions allowed for special circumstances. And no one really objects to these exceptions because they're rational. They make sense uh, along the way. Uh, but these uh, exceptions are rationalized and justified. Here's the problem. Once you allow the exception in, then you say, hmm, maybe the original was not as set in stone as we thought. If there can be exceptions, then maybe it's applicable to everyone. So we end up with tolerance. Exceptions are broadened to include everyone at that point. And once they include everyone, then we redefine what that concept is. So the concept becomes redefined to include those variations. After a while, there's gradual partial acceptance over time, and suddenly we find out, hey, we've got a new standard in place. It has been accepted, it has been standardized, it has been normalized. It has become the new normal. Can you think of places where in our society things have become the new normal? Okay. Not all change is bad. Many times ideas need to be, uh, be modified to adapt to the changing time. For example, uh, let's use uh, one of the laws about the Sabbath. Uh, uh, we should only travel a Sabbath day's journey, which is about a half a mile. Well, that was fine when everyone was close-knit together in the community, but today we're so scattered out that we make allowances for driving that distance around, don't we? And no one thinks a thing about it. It's better to be in services on the Sabbath than it is to be sitting at home. Okay, so however, universal laws do not change. Corruption occurs when sound teaching is modified without proper justification, usually for selfish motives. Here's a, a passage. This is from Deuteronomy. Moses recognized it. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book when they were finished that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord say, take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know that you're I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribe and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing, and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt." utterly corrupt, and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. These are the latter days. Because you will uh, do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Motivations for corruption. So we want to figure out what makes people motivated to do, bring in corruption. I came up with a little uh, a way, well, let's see. When when what we want out of life conflicts with the established standard, then you have three options. You can adapt your desires, change what you want. Or you can change the standard or the rule. Or you can live with the cognitive dissonance created by that conflict. 
Those persons who are in, inclined toward corruption will not change their desires nor be content to live with the cognitive distance created by the conflict. Instead, what they will do is to change the rules to move the goalposts in their favor after the game has already started. They keep, it's hard to hit those moving goalposts, you know? Okay. First Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this. That in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. So it looks like they're being faithful and righteous and religious, having a form of godness, but denying the power. From such people turn away. Four, uh, of this sort are those who creep into the houses, households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with uh, sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, but never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. The men of corrupt minds dis disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, and as, as theirs also was. Okay, so I come up with a diamond of deviation. These are motivations for corruption. Right, the first motivation for corruption is... You don't have what you desire. The desire becomes the first uh, diamond in our construction uh, here. Desire is often desire for wealth. So wealth becomes another one. Money uh, is a major factor. With wealth comes power. And with power comes the ability to revenge. Okay, so this is my diamond of deviation, the motivations for corruption. Uh, Ephesians 4, 20 to 26 says, But you have not so learned in Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you have put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to uh, the deceitful lust, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, that if you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Okay. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let him, rather let him labor, working with his hand. There's a relationship. You don't just get money for nothing. You work to get the money, and then you have the ability to do it. Uh, there's a, there is a value in the work itself. Working with his hands, what is good, that he, may not, that he may have something to give him who has need. Notice the motivation for working. It is not for self-aggrandizement. And, well, it is to have something to give those who are in need. Okay? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessity... Uh, what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, desire. Let's look at these individually now. Desire is an insatiable wanting for what we do not have. In scripture, it's referred to as covetousness, lust, envy, and jealousy. Jealousy is really a fear of losing what you have, whereas envy is wanting something you do not have along that way. Wealth. Okay. Wealth. Uh, mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. That's what we need. Mo' money. All right. Um, let's see. Wealth can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you the Mercedes to drive around looking for it. Okay. Actually, wealth does contribute to happiness up to a point, uh, to the point of comfort, basically. It's about 45000 for a single person or about 75000 for a household for a modern U.S. citizen. That's enough money to take care of the mortgage and the rent, utilities, food, clothing, car payments, insurance, taxes, education, entertainment, things like that. Right. That's what it takes up to that point. But... Beyond that comfort level, however, wealth does not really contribute to happiness, but ironically, it contributes to worry, fear, and misery instead. That's strange, isn't it? That the more wealth you have, the more miserable you become? Boy, I pity Mr. Trump. Uh, okay, the Ecclesiastics 5, 8 through 20. If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent pers uh, pers perversion of justice and righteousness in a prophet, do not marvel at the matter, for high official watches over another high official. The higher officials are over them. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit does the owner ha uh, have the owner except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of the laboring man is sleep, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Always worried about who's going to come after his stuff. Okay. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt. But those riches perish through misfortune when he begets a son and there is nothing in his hand. All, of the, all that he has worked for is just going to go to the inheritance of his children. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return, to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor which he may carry away in his hand. I have never seen a hearse with a trailer hitch. Okay? No U-Haul has ever fought, gone to the cemetery. Or have they? Mr. Gregory, you may have seen some of those. I don't know. Have you? Uh, also, uh, and this is also a severe evil, just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind all his days? He also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for, this is, for it is his heritage. As, ever, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, ha, this is the gift of God. 
for he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. What that's saying is, if you're busy all the time doing what you're supposed to, working like you're supposed to, then you don't have time to think about how miserable you are. Right? Power. Mm. This is a biggie. Power, that is control and influence over others or uh, one's circumstances. Um, there is corruption in getting power. What do you have to do to get your power? There is corruption in maintaining power. And there is corruption in stripping power from others whom you may perceive as a threat. All of those involve corruption and power. That desire for power is very corrupting. Do you know why God so hates idolatry? The two big sins that Israel got in trouble for throughout all of the uh, history were idolatry and Sabbath keeping, Sabbath breaking. Those were the two biggies. They got in trouble for those more than any of the others. Um, so, you know why God so hates idolatry? Not just because idolatry attempts to usurp him as large as the universe, but it also because those who control the idols are power brokers. They are the power brokers who abuse that power to manipulate God's people, and he hates to see his people abused. Deuteronomy 4, 15 and 19. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. But God doesn't have any form that we see, per se, uh, Moses saw. Out of the burning bush, there was no form, no idol shape that he could imitate there. Unless uh, you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in any form of the figure. So he did that deliberately so they wouldn't make a carved image. The likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that's on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that's in the water beneath the earth. By the way, each one of these comparisons here refers to a god of, the ancient, of ancient Egypt. Uh, and of the other areas in, in Mesopotamia as well. Okay. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven when you see the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the hosts of heaven. Host of heaven, of course, refers to the angels. You feel driven to worship and to serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the uh, whole heaven as a heritage. If you do the research in the scripture, you find out that the cherubim and the other angelic figures may have had human bodies, but they often had animal heads as well. So that's the allusion to some of these. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make graven images or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land until you go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall be utterly destroyed. Which utterly destroyed. Hmm. That's what a lot of people would like to do to their enemies. That's called revenge. There's several kinds of revenge. Revenge is basically getting even with impunity, which means you don't get struck back, uh, for a perceived injustice. And revenge, as the Klingons will tell you, is a dish best served cold. Retaliation in, in kind, hit for tat. You, you hit me, I hit you back. Okay? You steal from me, I steal from you. Okay? 
what's going to happen? If you do that for, uh, for a very long time, the whole world's going to end up blind and toothless. Okay? There's an escalating retaliation, one-upmanship. Okay, maybe I take your pen, you take my book. You take my cell phone. Oh, I don't have a cell phone, never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, take your cell phone, then someone else takes a laptop. Then someone else takes a computer. Someone else takes whatever. So it's an escalating. It increases as we go along. There's physical harm. This is fighting. Will you punch me? I punch you back. That sort of attitude. Uh, bullying or coercion and extortion. Demanding something from someone else out of fear. Character assassination, slander or libel. Economic or social machination. Maybe you manage to get the person fired or you get him ostracized from a club. You get him kicked out of his favorite activity. You get uh, all sorts of things of that nature. Economic and social manipulation. Assault on family and friends. Now it's getting personal. Closer. And finally, the option, ultimate one is murder. That's revenge. Those are different forms of revenge and how that can creep in with the corruption. Areas where corruption has crept in. Entertainment. Yeah, I don't have to say a whole lot about that, but I'm going to show you some of it anyway. Entertainment is one area where, area where corruption has crept in. Um, language. Social order. I'm going to have to omit social order, I'm, I'm afraid, because it's, it's so big in and of itself that it would take a whole message to do that one alone. Alone, Politics and church doctrine. These are areas where corruption have crept in. Okay? Entertainment. Let's look at a few of these. All right. Entertainment used to be a diversion from the daily trials of life. An activity designed to give yourself a break from the routine. Something light to lift the burdens of the day. A chance for fellowship with friends and family. An opportunity to relax. Perhaps a chance to sharpen your mental skills. Perhaps an opportunity to read and study and develop character. A chance to develop character through interaction with others, say, during games. There was nothing at all inherently wrong with this kind of entertainment, is there? But <clears throat> entertainment has changed. Entertainment, quote unquote, has changed. We have become acclimated to violence. It's everywhere. And we don't, we don't think of the thing of it anymore. It used to be that we would throw back in horror at some of the things that we see today. But we have become acclimated to it. Our sensibilities have become calloused now. What we, uh, we have become tolerant of that which we should not be tolerant. Here's corrupted entertainment. Language. Think about how language has been corrupted over time. Topics of discussion, it used to be that they'd have a salon and all, and they still have salons, but it's a different kind. A salon where people gather together and discuss the topics of the day, develop philosophies, develop ideas, uh, criticize one another. That's, that was a great uh, time uh, for various topics of discussion. But today, what are our topics of discussion? It's mostly what? Some kind of gossip, isn't it? That's what we see in the language. Uh, it used to be that uh, people were praised for being eloquent and articulate, right? What's the language today? The language of the street is what we have. Um, profanity. 
<clears throat> I've come up with a, a classification system for profanity. There are three kinds of profanity. There are celestial profanity. That has to do with heaven and hell and angels and gods and demons and all the rest of that. That's celestial profanity. Then we've got bedroom profanity. I don't need to explain that. Uh, and we've got bathroom uh, profanity. I don't need to explain that either, right? Three classifications. I think most profanities can fit into one of those classes. Okay. Uh, video games. Oh, when I when we started out, it was Pong. Remember Atari's Pong? Okay. How how well could you manipulate the paddles? How big were the paddles? How small were the paddles? How well could you hit that little ball? Nothing wrong with that, is there? But what has happened? Since then, we had, that wasn't good enough. We had, what, uh, asteroids, space invaders, Donkey Kong, um, Pac, Mr. and Ms. Pac-Man, all the different, and now they've gone into something more than that. Now we have first-person shooters. So you're in the position of a person holding a gun, going around and shooting things. Wow. What does that say about how far we've gone? And this is entertainment. Remember, this is entertainment. This is supposed to be a relaxation of getting away from the troubles of the day. Instead, you just compound the problem. Okay, crime, like Grand Theft Auto. Or uh, adventure, like Forge of Empire. Or uh, virtual reality games as well. All of these are now uh, uh, Entertainment where the standard of what entertainment was supposed to be has been corrupted and turned into a whole different world. And music. Um, once upon a time, music had mu meaningful lyrics, beautiful melodies to go along with it, harmonies, um, significant things to happen. Today, what has happened? It has become basically rhythm and rhyme. And very little of it makes a whole lot of sense. Okay? But it is an expression of today's society. Okay? Television. Oh, talk about the one-eyed monster that sits in your, in your living room. The news. There's no more Joe Friday or Walter Cronkite. What do I mean by that? Joe Friday used to say, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. We no longer have a news program that says, just the facts. We, uh, we no longer have a Walter Gronkak that says, well, that's the way it is, on such and such a night. We, instead, we have news programs that are entirely slanted. Doesn't matter which side you're on, every news program out there on cable is slanted. It has a bent. It has an orientation. It might be leaning left might be leaning to the far right, about to fall over. It might be somewhere in the middle, but it has an orientation. So you choose which news you listen to. And when you choose which news you listen to, you're just affirming your stance that you have already. Oh, commercials. Mm. There are things being advertised today I didn't even know they had a product for. <laughs> okay, but... Uh, uh, and some of them are embarrassing. Some of them occur at the most inappropriate time, like you have things to deal with restroom activities occurring during the, the, the dinner hour. And these are on t How inappropriate is that? Uh, talk shows, late night talk shows. 
What will they discuss? What won't they discuss? What will, what will they do in the process? Comedies. Most comedies today deal with dysfunctional family. Once upon a time, we had comedies that set up an ideal. And then we tried to live up to the ideal. But today's comedies are dysfunctional family and or emasculated father figure or racial or ethnic humor, things of that nature. Crime shows. Again, all the crime shows. I like some of the crime shows. Law and Order, um, um, the CSI series, the, uh, all of those different crime shows that we have. But in the process of enjoying those crime shows, shows, we become acclimated to violence, become desensitized to the horror that's going on there. Uh, Sci-fi. Uh, when the uh, captain of uh, the spaceship blows up the enemy spaceship over here, he has taken away the humanity out of it, or monstrality or whatever uh, the process. The, the living creatures that are on this have been destroyed. And they don't see it as a loss of life. They see it as an object to be destroyed, a target along the way. Soap operas. Soap operas have long been the venue for all sorts of um, less than honorable activities. Sexuality. Um, I come to the conclusion that you, parents, you should discourage your children, particularly your daughters, from uh, ever going into acting. Because I have looked through and found out almost every actress has done some kind of uh, porn in the past. There are very few that have done no nudity, nudity or porn. There, now, there are artistic nudes. There are pornographic nudes where they're exposed. And then there is por uh, porn action, which is taped during sex. All right. Eh. Is that the kind of things we want to call entertainment today? Discord, hmm, Jerry Springer, Maury Povich, the game show divided. They fostered discord and destruction. Athletics, I've got a scripture on this one, I'll show you in just a minute. Uh, athletics and competition, did you hear about all the things that are happening recently? Uh, Penn State, I think it was, or yeah, uh, with the corruption that's going on there and the cover-up is just as bad. There's a lot of demonic interest and magic uh, Harry Potter, of course, Charmed, Angel, Supernatural, Twilight, The Vampire Diaries, etc. There is a huge fascination with demonic interest in magic right now. And then there's also this macabre fascination with death, zombies and the like. It's, it, I tell you, entertainment is not what it used to be. Okay, let's get 1 Timothy 6, 2 through 5. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. What is the meaning of is, for example? Uh, let's see. Uh, from which come envy, strife, rivaling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings? What point is, what benefit does, you know, Jerry Springer offer for us, for example? 
um, wrangling of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. That's the advice of Paul to Timothy. Paul said, you notice I've got it spinning? That's because they're constantly spinning stuff or flipping from one to the other. Okay? All right. Um, Tony. Where's Tony go? Okay. okay. Oh. Well, I was going to tell him, I promised myself that I would not pick on his boy Trump. Okay? So I'm not going to pick on... The, these are, I, this, is, this applies to all politicians in general, not just to uh, Donnie. Uh, so, these are the characteristics that, uh, where corruption creeps in in politics. Lying, dishonesty, stealing, um, fraud, tax evasion. Come on. Again, they're doing the spin because they always spin it to their advantage. Okay, bribery, hush money. Have you heard about these in the news lately? Vengeance, sexual deviance and scandal. Corrupt cronies and their entanglements. Bible recommends we don't get entangled with people. Okay. But here's one that's important. It's even affected us. It's even crept into our world. And we've got to watch out against it. Church and doctrine. Sexual deviance. Have you heard about the priest uh, from the Catholic Church recently? Uh, there were what, like a thousand um, teens or more molested within the recording that over, with only 300 priests? And now I think it's grown to like 3,000 or so. It's huge. And this is a rampant scandal throughout. Uh, the concept of the Trinity has crept in. We even see it uh, creeping into some of our songs and the like. The notion of a rapture. And what they'll do is they'll justify each of these different things by saying, oh, it doesn't mean that anymore. It means this. They're redefining. They're redefining the term. But it doesn't change it from being what it is. Uh, idolatry. I've already talked about that. The cross, for example, is most of the common uh, idolatry. And that's a big issue for me, uh, cross versus state. A few years ago, I did a message on the utter uh, inappropriateness of the cross to Christianity. And after the research that I did, there's no way I can even sing the word cross in the songs anymore. And the songs that we have, they are in most of our modern songs. I love the modern songs, but many of them are created by uh, Sunday-keeping Christians and their values and their attitudes creep into the lyrics as well. We must be vigilant to change the lyrics if necessary. Maxine, how many times did we rewrite the lyrics to those songs uh, just because they didn't fit with what, our, what we knew as true doctrine? Uh, the immortality of the soul. Uh, how about the impulsive altar call versus a reasoned decision commitment? When we give our lives to Christ, we're committed for the long run. That should be something of the mind not some impulsive uh, reaction that we have. And Sabbath observance, uh, we have modified even our Sabbath observance. From that. I've got the hurry because Brian's already got the yellow light on me. <laughs> okay, so, but, in the, but of that day and hour, no man knows. It's Matthew 24, the Olivet Prophecy. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, this is where they get the idea of a rapture you know, in the next several verses. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Duh, it's the one that is left that survives, not the one that is taken. Uh, um, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this: that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Here's the question: It mentioned the days of Noah. What were they like? The earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Notice again the emphasis on violence. Through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Uh, we have a duty as watchmen. Clearly, we are not able to do much about the ubiquitous corruption taking place in the world all around us, in the entertainment industry, in the social order, in language and politics, save for not letting ourselves be contaminated by it. However, as watchmen and children of God in the latter days, we have a duty to be vigilant against any corruption of the faith once delivered, creeping into our church, however innocently it may appear. Uh, when we see such contamination of faith, Isaiah tells us to cry aloud and spare not, Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. We must stand firm against any such corruption and protest its incursion that we may be the bride, of our, uh, bride ready, for his, ready for our king at his return. So, how's the water feeling? Are you hooked yet? Thank you.